beautiful day today. I wonder where I might be right now. It's part of the beautiful Robertson area. And um, I'll give you a clue. I don't know if you can see that. Go around here a little bit. Where could I be? Well, welcome to church this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the service so far. Today we've got uh, Paul Davey preaching to us from the book of Haggai. Perhaps you haven't looked at Haggai before, uh, but um, it's a short little book. And uh, the two sermons that Paul's going to be preaching to us this week and next week uh, are very good and encouraging for us and a good challenge to us as well. So uh, listen on, uh, look after each other, encourage one another, make that phone call a day. Maybe you've heard of that initiative that we started last week and um, uh, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching when Jesus returns. Have a great day. Enjoy the service. See you later. Well, it's great to be back here uh, in Robertson with you uh, and uh, opening the Word of God with you. Uh, there is nothing like a crisis to make us question the priorities that we have in life. In normal times, life just seems to fill up with events and activities. And we get so busy that life just seems to happen. And yet in a crisis like this one, life seems to stop. It seems to stand still. It's a hard time when it seems like sickness and death is on the march across the land. It's a scary time. And yet in this time, there is also an opportunity. An opportunity to sit and evaluate the priorities in our lives. To look at all the activities that keep us so busy normally and consider their worth. To look at our lives and consider our priorities. And it was the same for the people of God in Haggai's day. Have a look at verse 1 again with me. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Up to this point in Israel's history, the people of God had lived through a massive national crisis. Israel had had its golden age under King David and King Solomon. And then it had had its great revival in the days of King Josiah. But then came the dark days of decline. They were the days of foreign domination, of domination by the Egyptians and the Assyrians. And then, of course, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the nation by the Babylonians in 586 BC. Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and the few people who were left alive were captured and taken off to Babylon. For 70 long years, the people of God lived in exile in Babylon, and then a few of them were allowed to return. But they still lived under a foreign king. Look again at verse 1. Do you see the date of the book? It's dated from the time of the king of Persia. That's because there was no king of Israel. There was no temple either. 
the key national religious institution didn't exist. They have no national life, either political or religious. They were the shell-shocked remnant of a defeated people. And it is in this state that God speaks to his people through the prophet Haggai. And he speaks to us too. But what does he say? Look at verse 2 with me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses, while this house remains a ruin? This isn't a word of comfort to a bruised and broken people. It's a bit of a surprise, really. For it is actually a rebuke, a swift kick to the rear end, for God tells them in these verses that they are lacking commitment. He mentions that the Israelites had built their houses, but they were delaying in rebuilding the temple. And it's not that God wants them to be homeless and his temple built. They have their homes built. And the reference to panelled houses, well, that seems a little bit obscure as to what it means. Some have suggested that it meant that the timber walls of their houses were intricately carved. Others have suggested that it meant that they had quite good functional houses and roofs and ceilings. But whatever God is referring to here is a reference to above average housing for the time. That's the key thing to take away. Uh, Panelled houses are not just houses, they're panelled houses. This is above average housing. We're not talking shacks here. They have good homes but they are delaying work on God's house. You can just see the Israelites saying at this point, well, after we've done the extension, then we'll rebuild the temple. Or after we've planted the next acre of vines, then we'll rebuild the temple. After this, after that, it is clear to the Lord where the Israelite priorities lay. Me first, God second. They were lacking commitment. And friends, it's very easy for God to end up at the bottom of our list of priorities as well. We know as followers of the Lord Jesus that we should put God first in our lives. But frequently we struggle with this. And this is seen in two key areas. In the way we spend our time, and the way we spend our money. When we give our time to God, when we attend church and Bible study and other ministries, the time we spend in God's word and in prayer at home, in our daily devotions. And these things ought to be a great joy to us and a top priority in our lives. And yet, they sometimes feel hard to do. Why is that? The priority of giving our relationship with God the time it deserves and needs can easily slip in the busyness of life. You know, now that the coronavirus is here, we paradoxically have more time. 
The things that used to fill our lives have been shorn away like a lamb's fleece. We can't play sport, travel, eat out at restaurants, or even have a barbecue with friends. And although this is sad, it's also a tremendous opportunity for us to rearrange our priorities. Wouldn't it be great if we use this extra time to reconnect with God through prayer and the reading of his word? What if we prioritised watching online church services at home? What if we use the extra time to connect with family members and friends who weren't Christians and let them know that we're praying for them in these dark times? I wonder if we might discover that this way of life is actually a little bit better. And maybe just maybe when this is all over, we might keep some of these new priorities. But money is the other key commodity that shows where our priorities in life are. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's true, isn't it? What we do with our money says a lot about what we believe. And people give their money to God by supporting the work of their local church financially and by supporting mission financially and yet in normal times there's a whole lot of other things that can make demands on our finances eating out travel holidays entertainment and the list goes on and now of course because of the coronavirus we have an opportunity to reassess eating out travel holidays entertainment and much more are now banned so we can't spend our money on them. And this is actually a priceless opportunity to ask ourselves how much of these things actually contribute to our lives. Are they really the things that fill our lives with great pleasure? Or are they just the things the advertisers and the lifestyle programs tell us we need in order to be happy? Would we in fact be better off if we invested more in the advance of the kingdom? If we gave more of our money to our local churches and to missions? If you're wondering, then look at the experience of Israel in verse 5. Have a look at verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, as we look at these three verses, they're a bit of a ham sandwich. In verse 5 and verse 7, God calls on the Israelites to think hard, to consider. And then in verse 6, he tells them the riddle. 
And the riddle is the meat in the sandwich. And the riddle is basically this, that the Israelites were working hard to improve themselves, to better themselves. But they were going nowhere fast. They are like mice running on one of those little wheels that you see in the pet shops. There was lots of action, lots of effort, but there was no traction. There was no getting anywhere. They were going nowhere fast despite every effort. Why? What is going wrong? Well, God gives them the answer in verses 9 to 11. Have a look at verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. They are going nowhere fast because God is frustrating them. The Israelites aren't committed to God. He doesn't feature in their plans, so God is frustrating their plans. He is making their life a struggle to achieve nothing. They're going nowhere fast and it's God who is frustrating them. It's like he's put a speed limiter on their lives. No matter how hard they press the accelerator, they keep going at the same pace because things keep cropping up to slow them down. They try harder and harder but they don't achieve because God is frustrating them. And friends, this passage shows us that life is not better with less commitment to God. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence, even in Robertson, where the grass is green, it seems everywhere. We will not be happier if we live like the Joneses, if our plans don't involve God and his mission and his cause, then he will frustrate them. So let's be committed to his plans, which is actually the best plan for us. And that's what Israel is called to do in verse 8. Have a look at verse 8. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. The Israelite new plan is to do what they were supposed to do and carry out the old plan. And that is to rebuild the temple. That's what it means by the house. It was a matter of getting their priorities back to where they should have been all along and verse 12 tells us that that's exactly what they did do they feared god they listened to his word of the prophet haggai and they did what he said they got to work on rebuilding the temple and then they reaped the blessings that come from being committed to god and his cause but that's next week's story for the moment, let's reflect on what God is saying to us at the moment. 
have our priorities unwittingly slipped and God and his cause are not at the top where they should be. If so, then this time of isolation could be an opportunity for us to reflect and make some changes. So today at morning tea time, as you're having your morning tea at home uh, with your family or whoever else lives in your household, then let me encourage you to chat as a household about your priorities. Or if you're on your own somewhere, you're in a household of one, ring someone up and chat to them on the phone and ask yourselves together, ask each other, how can we use this time to get our priorities back on track, to get our relationship with God back on track. Friends, we have been saved by his grace. So let's live with his vision and his priorities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus. And we pray that having been saved, you would help us to live lives that reflect your kingdom priorities. We pray that we would not get caught up in chasing after all the things of this world, but rather that we would use this time now to reassess, to consider, and maybe, just maybe, change priorities here and there so that we might more be reflecting the Lord Jesus. Amen.